Today is March 23rd. This is Verses in Flow. I'm Jennifer, and I am blessed to be able to spend this sacred time with you to share this special space with you as we invite God to speak life into our hearts and spirits. Let's pay attention and try to clear our minds of whatever came before this time and whatever will follow after this time for just a few moments so that we're in a prime position to receive whatever is here for us right now. Let's be present. We are still in the Good News Translation for a few more days, but we will be starting a new book today in the Old Testament. So let's flow into this word and allow this word to flow into us. Numbers 36, Good News Translation, The Inheritance of Married Women. The heads of the families in the clan of Gilead, the son of Mashir, and grandson of Manasseh, son of Joseph, went to Moses and the other leaders. They said, The Lord commanded you to distribute the land to the people of Israel by drawing lots. He also commanded you to give the property of our relative Zelophehad to his daughters. But remember, if they marry men of another tribe, their property will then belong to that tribe, and the total allotted to us will be reduced. In the year of restoration, when all property that has been sold is restored to its original owners, the property of Zelophehad's daughters will be permanently added to the tribe into which they marry and will be lost to our tribe. So Moses gave the people of Israel the following command from the Lord. He said, What the tribe of Manasseh says is right. And so the Lord says that the daughters of Zelophehad are free to marry anyone they wish, but only within their own tribe. The property of every Israelite will remain attached to his tribe. Every woman who inherits property to an Israelite tribe must marry a man belonging to that tribe. In this way, all Israelites will inherit the property of their ancestors, and the property will not pass from one tribe to another. Each tribe will continue to possess its own property. Somala, Tirza, Hogla, Milka, and Noah, the daughters of Zelophehad, did as the Lord had commanded Moses, and they married their cousins. They married within the clans of the tribe of Manasseh, son of Joseph, and their property remained in their father's tribe. These are the rules and regulations that the Lord gave the Israelites through Moses in the plains of Moab across the Jordan River from Jericho. And that concludes the book of Numbers. And so now we're about to enter the book of Deuteronomy, which is the fifth book of the Bible and the final book of the Pentateuch or the Torah. Essentially, Deuteronomy is a speech broken up into three parts given by Moses to the Israelites as they were getting ready to enter the promised land. Now, Moses knew he wouldn't be going with them, so he wanted to make sure they were as prepared as possible for the journey ahead. The first part is all about Moses recapping the Israelites' journey through the wilderness and reminding them of God's laws. It's like a little history lesson, but with some serious life lessons thrown in. Moses is like, remember when we were wandering in the desert for those 40 years? Yeah, that was rough. But God was with us every step of the way, and he is still with us now. He also gives them lots of practical advice 
The book covers everything from worship practices to social justice issues and emphasizes the importance of loving and serving God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And there's a major theme throughout Deuteronomy that is grounded in chapter 6, verse 4, which says, Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. The first words of this scripture in the Jewish tradition is called Shema Israel. And this declaration prayer of this entire verse is called the Shema. Devout Jews say this twice a day to emphasize their commitment to one God and to remember how that one God, the one God, rescued them from slavery. The key themes here then are listen and love. Shout out to the Bible Project for pointing this out. The Hebrew word for listen means more than just hearing. It implies responding to what you hear. And we've talked about this before. So by obeying the laws set out by God, the Israelites demonstrate their faithfulness and love. Love was the true motivation for following the commandments, not just strict obedience for obedience sake. Obeying without true love was and is not enough. Moses then clarifies this point with a reminder that if the Israelites do listen and love, they will succeed in becoming a blessing to all other nations and thus fulfill Abraham's original promise. The second part of the book is where Moses lays down the law. Again, only this time he's expanding on many of the laws that we've covered previously, so some of this will sound redundant, but he's making them more relevant to this current generation. He also tells them in this section that the wrath of God is real and that they can choose life or death, blessings or curses, and basically it's all up to them. It's quite simple, actually. If they follow God's laws, they'll be blessed. If they don't, they will be cursed. The last part of the book is where Moses appoints Joshua as his successor and gives some final instructions to the Israelites. It's like Moses is saying, my time has come to an end, but yours is just beginning. Remember everything I have taught you and continue to follow the laws of God. You're about to enter the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. But don't forget where you came from and who brought you here. Stay faithful to God and he will do everything he said he would. I just see him like a wise father giving his children the best advice he can before sending them off into the world, or maybe a wise grandfather, and before he makes his transition. Yes, Deuteronomy is where Moses' journey with us comes to an end, and so enjoy this time with him. Be present as much as you can, and just like the Israelites were told to do, listen and love. Be grateful for all that we have learned from Moses because yes, it is sad that this is our last lesson together with Moses as our teacher here in Deuteronomy, but we have learned so much from him and we'll continue to learn more as long as we live. And then when it's time to say goodbye, just know I'm telling you guys now, 
It's going to be okay. But we're not there yet. Moses is still here with us. Overall, the book of Deuteronomy is like a big old pep talk for Moses. He's reminding the Israelites of God's love and mercy, but also warning them of the consequences of disobedience. Moses is telling them that he wants them to succeed and thrive, but they've got to follow God's rules. And let's be real, that's good advice and good news for all of us because it means that God wants us to live the best life we can and he is willing to help us get there if we obey. So listen closely, love genuinely, and remember how faithful God has been. That's what Moses wanted the Israelites to do and that's what we should do too. All right, Deuteronomy chapter 1, Introduction. In this book are the words that Moses spoke to the people of Israel when they were in the wilderness east of the Jordan River. They were in the Jordan Valley near Sup, between the town of Paran on one side and the towns of Tafel, Laban, Hazaroth, and Dezahab on the other. It takes 11 days to travel from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea by well of the hill country of Edom. On the first day of the eleventh month of the fortieth year after they had left Egypt, Moses told the people everything the Lord had commanded him to tell them. This was after the Lord had defeated King Sihon of the Amorites, who ruled in the town of Heshbon, and King Og of Bashan, who ruled in the towns of Ashtaroth and Idri. It was while the people were east of the Jordan in the territory of Moab that Moses began to explain God's laws and teachings. He said, When we were at Mount Sinai, the Lord our God said to us, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. Break camp and move on. Go to the hill country of the Amorites and to all the surrounding regions, to the Jordan Valley, to the hill country and the lowlands, to the southern region, and to the Mediterranean coast. Go to the land of Canaan and on beyond the Lebanon mountains as far as the great Euphrates River. All of this is the land which I, the Lord, promised to give to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to their descendants. Go and occupy it. Moses appoints judges. Moses said to the people, While we were still at Mount Sinai, I told you the responsibility for leading you is too much for me. I can't do it alone. The Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars in the sky. May the Lord, the God of your ancestors, make you increase a thousand times more and make you prosperous as he promised. But how can I alone bear the heavy responsibility for settling your disputes? Choose some wise, understanding, and experienced men from each tribe, and I will put them in charge of you. And you agreed that this was a good thing to do. So I took the wise and experienced leaders you chose from your tribes, and I placed them in charge of you. Some were responsible for a thousand people, some for a hundred, some for fifty, and some for ten. I also appointed other officials throughout the tribes. At that time, I instructed them, Listen to the disputes that come up among your people. Judge every dispute fairly, whether it concerns only your own people or involves foreigners who live among you. Show no partiality in your decisions. Judge everyone on the same basis, no matter who they are. Do not be afraid of anyone, for the decisions you make come from God. If any case is too difficult for you, bring it to me, and I will decide it. 
At the same time, I gave you instructions for everything else you were to do. The spies are sent out from Kadesh Barnea. We did what the Lord our God commanded us. We left Mount Sinai and went through that vast and fearful desert on the way to the hill country of the Amorites. When we reached Kadesh Barnea, I told you, you have now come to the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God, the God of our ancestors, is giving us. Look, there it is. Go and occupy it as he commanded. Do not hesitate or be afraid. But you came to me and said, Let's send men ahead of us to spy out the land, so that they can tell us the best route to take and what kind of cities are there. That seemed like a good thing to do, so I selected twelve men, one from each tribe. They went into the hill country as far as the Eshkol Valley and explored it. They brought us back some fruits they found there and reported that the land which the Lord our God was giving us was very fertile. But you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God, and you would not enter the land. You grumbled to one another, the Lord hates us. He brought us out of Egypt just to hand us over to these Amorites so that they could kill us. Why should we go there? We are afraid. The men we sent tell us that the people there are stronger and taller than we are, and that they live in cities with walls that reach the sky. They saw giants there. But I told you, don't be afraid of those people. The Lord your God will lead you, and he will fight for you just as you saw him do in Egypt and in the desert. You saw how he brought you safely all the way to this place, just as a father would carry his son. But in spite of what I said, you still would not trust the Lord, even though he always went ahead of you to find a place for you to camp, to show you the way. He went in front of you in a pillar of fire by night and in a pillar of cloud by day. The Lord punishes Israel. The Lord heard your complaints and became angry, and so he solemnly declared, Not one of you from this evil generation will enter the fertile land that I promised to give your ancestors. Only Caleb, son of Jephunneh, will enter it. He has remained faithful to me, and I will give him and his descendants the land that he has explored. Because of you, the Lord also became angry with me and said, Not even you, Moses, will enter the land, but strengthen the determination of your helper, Joshua, son of Nun. He will lead Israel to occupy the land. Then the Lord said to all of us, Your children, who are still too young to know right from wrong, will enter the land. The children you said would be seized by your enemies. I will give the land to them, and they will occupy it. But as for you people, turn around and go back into the desert on the road to the Gulf of Aqaba. You replied, Moses, we have sinned against the Lord, but now we will attack, just as the Lord our God commanded us. Then each one of you got ready to fight, thinking it would be easy to invade the hill country. But the Lord said to me, warn them not to attack, for I will not be with them, and their enemies will defeat them. I told you what the Lord had said, but you paid no attention. You rebelled against him, and in your pride, you marched into the hill country. Then the Amorites, who lived in those hills, came out against you like a swarm of bees. They chased you as far as Hormah and defeated you there in the hill country of Edom. So you cried out to the Lord for help, but he would not listen to you or pay any attention to you. The Years in the Desert 
So then, after we had stayed at Kadesh for a long time, Luke chapter 5 verse 29 through chapter 6 verse 11. Then Levi had a big feast in his house for Jesus, and among the guests was a large number of tax collectors and other people. Some Pharisees and some teachers of the law who belonged to their group complained to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and other outcasts, they asked. Jesus answered them, People who are well do not need a doctor, but only those who are sick. I have not come to call respectable people to repent, but outcasts. The question about fasting. Some people said to Jesus, The disciples of John fast frequently and offer prayers, and the disciples of the Pharisees do the same, but your disciples eat and drink. Jesus answered, Do you think you can make the guests at a wedding party go without food as long as the bridegroom is with them? Of course not. But the day will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. Jesus also told them this parable. You don't tear a piece off a new coat to patch up an old coat. If you do, you will have torn the new coat, and the piece of new cloth will not match the old. Nor do you pour new wine into used wineskins, because the new wine will burst the skins, the wine will pour out, and the skins will be ruined. Instead, new wine must be poured into fresh wineskins. And you don't want new wine after drinking old wine. The old is better, you say. The question about the Sabbath. Jesus was walking through some wheat fields on a Sabbath. His disciples began to pick the heads of wheat, rub them in their hands, and eat the grain. Some Pharisees asked, Why are you doing what our law says you cannot do on the Sabbath? Jesus answered them, Haven't you read what David did when he and his men were hungry? He went into the house of God, took the bread offered to God, ate it, and gave it also to his men. Yet it is against our law for anyone except the priests to eat that bread. And Jesus concluded, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath the man with a paralyzed hand. On another Sabbath, Jesus went into a synagogue and taught. A man was there whose right hand was paralyzed. Some teachers of the law and some Pharisees wanted a reason to accuse Jesus of doing wrong, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to the man, Stand up and come here to the front. The man got up and stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, what does our law allow us to do on the Sabbath? To help or to harm? To save someone's life or destroy it? He looked around at them all. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He did so and his hand became well again. They were filled with rage and began to discuss among themselves what they could do to Jesus. Psalm 66, a song of praise and thanksgiving. Praise God with shouts of joy, all people. Sing to the glory of his name. Offer him glorious praise. Say to God, how wonderful are the things you do. Your power is so great that your enemies bow down in fear before you. Everyone on earth worships you. They sing praises to you. They sing praises to your name. Come and see what God has done, his wonderful acts among people. He changed the sea into dry land. Our ancestors crossed the river on foot. 
There we rejoiced because of what he did. He rules forever by his might and keeps his eyes on the nations. Let no rebels rise against him. Praise our God, all nations. Let your praise be heard. He has kept us alive and has not allowed us to fall. You have put us to the test, God, as silver is purified by fire. So you have tested us. You let us fall into a trap and placed heavy burdens on our backs. You let our enemies trample us. We went through fire and flood, but now you have brought us to a place of safety. I will bring burnt offerings to your house. I will offer you what I promised. I will give you what I said I would when I was in trouble. I will offer sheep to be burned on the altar. I will sacrifice bulls and goats, and the smoke will go up to the sky. Come and listen, all who honor God, and I will tell you what he has done for me. I cried to him for help. I praised him with songs. If I had ignored my sins, the Lord would not have listened to me. But God has indeed heard me. He has listened to my prayer. I praise God because he did not reject my prayer or keep back his constant love from me. Proverbs chapter 11 verses 24 through 26. Some people spend their money freely and still grow richer. Others are cautious and yet grow poorer. Be generous and you will be prosperous. Help others and you will be helped. People curse someone who hoards grain waiting for a higher price, but they praise the one who puts it up for sale. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you today and we thank you for your word. We are humbled and thankful for your grace. We thank you that you have provided us with these scriptures, these teachings, and this instruction so that we can win and thrive in our lives. Lord, we pray for wisdom and discernment as we continue to listen and love on our respective and collective journeys. Keep our minds stayed on you and our hearts steadfast in obedience to you so that we may experience the overflow, the abundance of blessings you want to pour out into each and every one of our lives. As we reflect on Psalm 66, Lord, you are a wonderful God and we are filled with a sense of awe and wonder at your greatness and your power. You have done so many great things. Lord, we are grateful for all that you do and all that you have done for us and all that you are getting ready to do. Lord, we praise you for your constant love and your constant faithfulness. Lord, we ask that you would continue to guide us, direct us, order our steps, help us to understand your will for our lives, and we will follow you wherever you lead us and wherever you tell us to go. Lord, I also ask that you would be with the ones who are struggling right now. Renew their strength and refuel their stamina in the midst of their fight, in the midst of their challenges. May they feel your presence right now and know that you are with them and that you've got them covered. Lord, we are forever grateful for your everlasting mercy and your loving kindness towards us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And our affirmation. I have all that I need to get through this day. I have all that I need to get through this day. 
And our aphorism today is also in two parts. The Lord sometimes takes us into troubled waters, not to drown us, but to cleanse us. You don't drown by falling in the water. You drown by staying there. That's all I have for you today. Thank you for being with me on this odyssey. You belong here, and we belong together on this journey. I love you, and I'll be right here tomorrow waiting for you.